You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. The following is an audio conversation with John Regeer on the topic of moral addictions. This is part four of four. You can call my office at any time, 8.30 in the morning, Colorado time. And again, Mr. Regeer's office number is 719-572-5550. And if you'd like to listen to this recording again or know other people that would, you can call 641-715-3800, pin number 89752. Go ahead and ask your question. Yes, John. My question was you were referring to... uh young babies getting sexual abused or some stuff like that and they don't recall the incident of really what happened but you obviously have a lot of testimonies of people that you've helped that uh, had things happen in their life that they never remembered and a lot of people think that's nuts or crazy that uh, that uh, small babies only several weeks old that it would affect their life. How do you explain that to people or what really is happening that uh, even though they don't remember you know, a young child like that, that it still affects their later years? Well, whatever happens in childhood um, programs a person to what they react to. Let me define two different things uh, to help us understand it. A young child will never remember what happened, let's say up until age three or four, um, because they don't have memory of that, but they're still going to react to it. Then if a person has memory, let's say from three to four on, because God has designed for a child to disassociate with certain pain, some children tell me when they're adults, I don't remember any of my childhood because they disassociated, they mentally checked out every time their pain came. Like I just had an Amish lady in my office recently that was thrown across the room by her father. And uh, she says, I don't have any memory, but I remember uh, my sister uh, telling me that that happened. And so a person sometimes doesn't have memory themselves, but their siblings remember that. That's disassociation. And often girls that are sexually abused don't remember that they were sexually abused. But then you have to go from why they're reacting in life to certain situations. An example One lady came in and she kept yelling at her husband when he was driving the car. And she had been in 23 accidents because both of her parents were alcoholics in the first 20 years of her life. And uh, I led her in a prayer to disconnect that and she stopped yelling at her husband's driving because she was still reacting to those accidents when she was a child. Other women that are sexually abused uh, disassociate every time they're in a sexual relationship with their husband. And it's because they were sexually abused as children, and that's affecting them in their adult experience. So whatever their adult reaction, you go back to find, okay, what happened to cause that? Like the lady that never cried for 40 years, when I went back to ask her what would cause a girl never to cry, she said, well, my aunt told me that my mother tried to abort me. 
And when I went in prayer with her, Jesus, can you draw a picture of my heart damaged by my mother trying to kill me? She immediately burst into tears for 30 minutes. She hadn't cried in 40 years. But in praying, she went right to that pain and it exposed the pain. But our way of thinking is that, you know, a baby only only several weeks old doesn't know a thing. Um, How does that, that's very unique how that works. Or can you explain on that? Even though they don't know a thing, how that keeps affecting their life in the then? Let me just say this. If parents don't want a child in the womb, that child will feel rejected. The child feels all of that. And if you sit in counseling like I do every week, you start seeing the things that people are damaged by, you know, whether it's these two girls that were sexually abused, um, and you see how that affects them in their marriage, and you wonder why are they reacting in such weird ways in their marriage. And you go back and resolve it and everything turns around. So we are, even though we don't have memory up until age three, we do react to things when we're damaged. Like if a child has an angry father at age two, that girl's going to react to anger in her adult experience. Because you just start counseling people and you ask, okay, what happened? What was your father like? And uh, they define that. Uh, you're going to see that they react to that in their marriage because that pain is still there, even though they have no memory of it. Thank you. 56 callers still on. We have time for a couple more questions. Go ahead and ask your question. John, I have a question. How does the relationship with Jesus Christ fit into this picture? So specifically, if a person was rejected or wasn't loved, but now has a relationship with Christ, does that resolve issues by itself? Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Because let's just say a person was emotionally damaged as a child, but then they met Christ, let's say at 14, and accepted Christ and felt totally secure with Christ. Now, if they took that pain to Jesus at some time, that would get healed. But most people don't do that. Most people just develop a relationship with Christ, and their pain is just left because we don't teach people to pray to resolve pain like Psalms describes we should do, like David did. And so that person may have pain, like the missionary I described. She had pain inside that she never resolved, but she didn't understand how to resolve it. And so she was a Christian committed to Jesus Christ, felt accepted by him, loved by him, but never resolved the issue in her heart. What I would challenge pastors to do is to share with people if you've struggled with anything in your past and you have pain, you need, like David did, to bring that pain to Jesus and ask him to draw a picture of your heart damaged by that pain and then to ask Jesus, would you heal that pain and ask him how he wants to do that. And he can do that through a verse from Scripture. He can do that with a picture of Jesus holding a lamb uh, in whatever way Jesus wants to heal that. And if it's sexual abuse, Jesus, could you make my heart clean from that? What happens is then that pain goes away. So a relationship with Jesus doesn't necessarily mean that a person's pain will go away unless that pain has been brought to Jesus. Because everything needs to be taken to him. And this call is really, I mean, about moral addictions, so it's really talking about the other side. And presumably the same applies to the person with moral addictions, correct? Right. It's the same thing. Because often a person that's, that has a moral addiction wasn't loved, that's an emotional pain, has emotional pain, or was sexually abused, and those three issues need to be resolved through Jesus, too, to bring moral freedom. You're right, you're right on. There's one question. Go ahead and ask your question. Um, I was the one that was talking about the lust, and um, 
on some of your issues, you said the healing process, you would need to have somebody to emotionally connect to if I'm not married. Um, do I need to find somebody to emotionally connect to besides my wife? Or Okay, if, if you're not married, if you're married, you want to do that with your wife. If you're not married, then find a person of the same sex that would care for you and you would care for him. Mm-hmm. If, if it's a gal, then she needs to find another gal that would connect with her. So sure. emotional connection has nothing to do with sex. Emotional connection has to do with understanding the emotional need of another person and caring about it. It's what every parent should do with their children. It's what every husband should do with a wife. It's what every wife should do with her husband. So it's difficult sometimes to find an individual that would take time, but I think that's very important to have a relationship where you can share and know someone's going to understand care about your heart and what you're struggling with. Sure. I have a friend that I can share anything with him, and he never rejects me, and he just encourages me. And he likes to be with me, and I like to be with him. But I also have a marriage. I like to talk to my wife, and she likes to talk with me, and so we connect with each other. And so it's good to have a couple relationships like that where people care. All right. There's a couple more questions. Mr. Regira, go ahead and ask your question. I was just curious, is it possible for a dating couple to touch physically, like holding hands, hugging, or laying hands on each other and staying morally pure? Yes. Um, my, my recommendation for couples that are dating is that there's four things you have to be careful of. And uh, give me just a second, and I'll find my notes here. Caring for the Heart Ministries address, if you want to write to them, is 3545 American Drive, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Zip code 80917. And their phone number, 719-572-5550. Okay, I'd like to just answer your question. It's a, it's a great question. Number one, um, I just want to say that a couple that is dating, you want to have an emotional connection. And I have a premarital course called Preparing for Marriage and that's available uh, in a workbook and a DVD if you'd like the DVD. And in that I define the boundaries that uh, a couple needs to have before they get married. You want to be careful that you don't communicate uh, on personal sexual issues before marriage. Secondly, you want to be careful of the environment you're in where you're not alone, where you can get involved sexually. Thirdly, you have to be careful the areas you touch on each other's body. You don't touch each other in any sexual area. And the fourth is you have to be careful how you kiss. No French kissing before marriage. What I recommend is a light kiss, holding hands, putting your arm around her shoulder. Those are all appropriate activities. Now, I think some physical touch is important. So a couple develops an emotional connection and a physical touch connection before marriage. Because I've had cases where guys are homosexual where they have no desire to touch their girlfriend. And I think some touch is kind of critical, but you draw a line for areas you don't cross it in the moral area. So are you saying the two of them should never be by themselves? I think you can be by yourself, but you have to be careful that you're not in an area where you might be tempted to go too far. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you both have apartments, it might be wise not to meet in each other's apartments because you might be tempted to move further than you should. And I think every couple has to make that decision individually. Okay. Well, thank you. You see, in the 
in the past generation, you know, 90% of everyone was involved primarily. So in this generation, we started courting, which means we went to the other extreme and said, no child of mine is going to be alone with anybody they're dating. And it was the pendulum went the other extreme. The only problem is if you don't let a girl talk to a guy personally alone, they never get to know each other. So I have girls that get married that um, don't even know the guy they're marrying because they had to date in front of their siblings. And they How do you interpret where Paul, I believe it was Paul that wrote, it is good for a man not to touch a woman. Right. And it's talking there about touching her in a sexual area. Go ahead and ask your question. Yes, good evening, John. Can you explain, uh, I've sat with a couple of counselors already, that have said uh, the more conservative or strict the church, the more moral failure and sexual abuse is prevalent. Can you expound on that or explain the reason that is? That is a true statement. Um, I'm not sure I know why, but I can give you my guess on it. Um, but this is my opinion. Whenever you have uh, a lot of rules, People don't necessarily feel loved emotionally by their parents or by the church, and that produces a vacuum that when a person gets involved in exposure to pornography, it actually causes them to be addicted because they long for connection and that need for love gets tied to their pornography. What I have found personally is that the percentages double in conservative cultures. Um, in other words, if if you have so many, a percentage of men involved in sexually abusing women, that doubles in conservative cultures usually. And um, a personal feeling, it's either because of the many rules that frustrate people or it's because of the performance-driven culture. And it may be the second where everything is about performing and it's not about feeling loved. I just recently had a pastor in my office, and he was loved by both of his parents, and his sympathy score was at 96%. And he never struggled with lust because he was genuinely loved. And it wasn't a performance thing. It wasn't a bunch of rules. He really felt loved by them, and he never struggled with pornography, and he didn't understand why other people struggled. And I got all excited and realized, here's a man whose parents really connected with him, and he did not have the struggles that people have when you have a performance-driven culture or when you have a lot of rules that frustrate people. All right. Thank you. Time for maybe one more question. Okay. Um, this question is about um, emotional soul ties, like unhealthy soul ties. Okay. Um, we are having some issues with some of our younger children because we had a woman living with us who um, was extremely abused as a child. She also um, lost a son, and for whatever reason, her husband did not allow her to go to the hospital that her son was life-flighted to. He told her that um, he was told not to allow her to emotionally connect with the baby because it was going to die, and it did indeed die, and then he did not allow her to have a funeral for the baby for whatever reason, and she was, all these years, still didn't have closure for this baby. Um, since then about um, emotional soul ties, like unhealthy soul ties. Okay. Um, we are having some issues with some of our younger children because we had a woman living with us who um, was extremely abused as a child. She also um, lost a son, and for whatever reason, her husband did not allow her to go to the hospital that her son was life-flighted to. He told her that 
Um, he was told not to allow her to emotionally connect with the baby because it was going to die, and it did indeed die, and then he did not allow her to have a funeral for the baby for whatever reason, and she was, all these years, still didn't have closure for this baby. Um, since then, some uh, some folks from our area, including myself, um, arranged to have a little funeral so that she could have closure, but at the time that she was living with us, she didn't have that, and um, we had a baby boy, and she connected with him so much that he started to reject my husband and me. At that point, it was arranged for her to leave our home, and um, we have been really connecting with our baby and our, um, another daughter that was also having some issues. But it has never completely resolved itself, particularly the little boy is 19 months old and still will not sleep through the night. And I'm personally kind of convinced it has something to do with that. And our young daughter tends to reject my husband. And I, I don't know, I just kind of have the sense that it's connected to that. And I'm not sure how we can pray that we haven't already prayed. Okay. What you need to do is understand what happened with your son. This lady needed an emotional connection, and she bonded to your son and got your son's heart. Okay? Now, right. Your, your son actually feels abandoned now because that lady who was in your home is no longer there. And so okay. what you have to do is understand the pain. I mean, it wasn't his fault that uh, this other lady connected and you and your husband uh, didn't connect as strongly as she did. So what you want to do is sit down with him and say, do you miss and define this person and start caring about that? And then lead him in a prayer, accepting what you can't change. Jesus, uh, we miss and define the lady's name. Jesus, um, would it be possible for you, for me, to get love from my mother and to be connected emotionally with her? And just lead him in a, just a very simple prayer to disconnect that. Okay. And you do the same thing with your daughter. Now, you did the right thing by planning the funeral for this lady. I, I would have probably gone one more step and led her in a prayer, Jesus. I've never been able to release the fact that I lost a child. Jesus, what did that do to me that they never allowed me to grieve the process of losing a child? That child is in heaven. Jesus, would you go and get my child and hold it for me? Would you tell my child that I miss him and I love him? Jesus, how would you heal my heart have all this pain inside from the loss of my child and the fact that I couldn't release it? And that's the prayer. Mm-hmm. That, uh, if you ever meet this lady, I would ask you to, to lead her in a prayer to something similar to that. Mm-hmm. We have a course called Caring for the Emotionally Damaged Heart in which we define 40 prayers to pray with people that have been damaged, either sexually abused or, in this case, emotionally damaged through that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you want to bond to each of your two children along with your husband in a way to meet their emotional needs in the same way that lady did, uh, to try and get their hearts connected to you after you pray with them. And okay. There's three, ways, there's three ways you bond to your children. One is you look them in the eyes and connect. Two, you hold them until they feel secure in your arms. And three, you affirm them with words that are exaggerated. I just want you to feel totally loved by your mother. Just make exaggerated. What happens mm-hmm. is the child begins to relax, and that's what that lady did with your children. And without mm-hmm. you probably knowing about it, she bonded because she was trying to, to fulfill her emotional need with your children. Right, and we recognized it a long time before she left our home, but it took some time before 
we were able to um, have her removed from our home. What, what that lady would have done, she would have drained your son emotionally to meet her emotional needs. Mm-hmm. God designed for parents to give love to their children. She mm-hmm. needed your son to meet her needs, so that, that would have damaged your son in some way, even though he felt bonded mm-hmm. to her. Right. And, uh, so there's two sides to this. One is he got an emotional connection with the lady, but he also was drained because she would hold him, needing him to meet her emotional pain inside. And that's what I call drained emotionally. Do you have any recommendations how we can handle the situation um, since we actually attend the same church? Because she does hold him at church sometimes and we feel kind of a loss to know what to do because we want to protect him. But at the same time, we want her to be able to have a healthy relationship with him considering the fact that she lived at our home. And um, But then we sort of suffer the consequences when we allow her to hold him. Okay, what I would do is um, the first step I would take is to pray with your children um, at night, some evening, just to resolve the pain inside their heart to understand what happened with them. The second step is I would emotionally bond to your children. Both you and your husband have to connect with them and for your children to feel loved. So you're going to meet the need that that lady met. Right. And what I would do is I would limit the amount of time that your children spend with her in church. I, I wouldn't take them away totally from her, but occasionally let, him, let her hold them. But watch to see if she's draining them. If she says, I'm just so glad uh, I needed you, I needed to hold you, that's for her. If she says, I just want you to feel loved by me, that's going toward the child, that's appropriate. And listen to her statements when she holds her children. Because if she is self-focused, that's draining emotionally. If she is other-focused, then that's appropriate. And if if she is upset that she can't hold your children, then she's using your children to meet her emotionally. A person that's going to be depressed and drain them for the next 60 years and marry. So you want to resolve that issue. Now, if you know the person and you say, if you spend time with our children in church, I want you to focus on filling their cup rather than taking from them. Uh, she might not be able to understand that, but I have a, a DVD uh, in the series, Caring for the Emotionally Damaged Heart, on what it means to drain a child or to drain a spouse, and that's what you're defining there. All right. Thank you, Mr. Regeer, for your time and staying over a little bit, and thank you for the welcome. people calling in, and we'll have to end it here and to listen to this conference call again, dial 641-715-3800. And enter pin number 89752. And we plan on having these conference calls to to discuss the Amish voice and other topics and having guest speakers at the first Sunday night of every month. So our next one will be Sunday, August 4th at 8 p.m. Eastern. So thank you again, Mr. Aguirre. Would you like to close us in prayer? Yes. I'd just like to make one statement that I'd like to pray. The statement is, God is capable of resolving every moral issue a person has experienced. So if a person has a moral failure, a person can confess that and come to freedom from that. I just wanted to say that at the end. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each of the individuals that came online this evening to discuss this important topic of moral failure. And I pray that you would encourage them to uh, experience everything you designed for them to experience fulfillment. And I pray that if any struggle in any area in personal life, that uh, the thoughts we share would enable them to find freedom in Jesus Christ. We just commit each one to you and thank you for your love and your blessings in Christ. Amen. Amen.
Thank you so much, John. Thank you for allowing the Lord to use you. Thank you for the opportunity. Yes, John, it was uh, just an, a, a real honor and a blessing to sit here and listen in and uh, just to know that people can get freedom and um, come free from, from the struggles they have is, is encouraging and uh, you've been a tremendous help. Well, that's what God's called us to do, and we want to assist people to come to freedom in the areas where they struggle. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again, and have a blessed day.